right. Welcome back, everyone, to this next episode of the Charter School Connection podcast. My name is Jared Bertaldo, and uh, today we're here with Amanda Patrice from the Bright Beginning School. So, Amanda, how are you doing? Great. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And where are you guys located at? We are here in sunny Chandler, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Okay, that's actually pretty cool. I'm uh, in southern, I'm in Tucson, so southern Arizona down here, so not too far. Yeah, we're neighbors. Yeah, neighbors. It's a beautiful place. Um, so starting out, I'd like to understand a little bit more about uh, you, where where you come from, and kind of how you found yourself into the educational field. Okay. Um, some of it's a little bit by accident. I didn't I always imagined myself a teacher. I just imagined myself a teacher a little bit later in life. You know, teachers are notorious for doing it because they love it and not because they make any money doing it. So I always imagined I might make money doing something fabulous somewhere and then become a teacher. Um, but that's not really what life had in store for me. I think when you know that you are meant to be in education and a perpetual student, life just propelled me into it. So after I got my, my bachelor's degree in international business and Spanish, I was, you know, sitting around family dinner, you know, that's constant question. What are you going to do when you grow up? Came up and um, I just said, you know what? I don't know. I was already working at a bank, um, not necessarily loving it. And my brother just asked me, you know, what would you do if you could do anything in the whole world? And I was like, well, I, of course I'd go back to school. I'd be a student, a professional student. Um, and so being in education, I'm a professional student. I, I signed up to do my post back and got my teaching cert pretty much immediately after that. And then my very first job after I had my teaching certificate was at a charter school. And that's pretty much how I started in education and charter in, in charter specifically. Okay. And so have you always just been in, in charter schools? Have you ever worked in any, any other kind of uh, uh, school? I have. So I taught, my first job was in charter schools. I taught at Gateway Early College High School here in Phoenix. Um, it was a turnaround school. So we had 50% dropout, 50% um, attendance rate. And I the, the chancellor of the college, it was situated on a, a community college campus brought on a brand new principal and she needed to turn, she was charged with turning the school around. And so being part of the leadership team, I learned a lot there. I was there for nine years. And then after that, um, I actually followed my principal to another charter school. So I taught at a couple different charter schools there. And then I also taught junior high in our local district school right by my house. So yeah, so I've been in both charters and public districts. Cool. Um, are there any like big differences you kind of saw between between the two? Yeah, um, you know, I was in, so I taught in Chandler Unified School District. Absolutely loved it. I think it's a really well-managed district. Um, and like most public schools between charters and districts, same thing, great educators, people who actually are doing it because they love kids and they want to really help kids. The biggest difference I saw were things, I mean, at a teacher level, things like field trips were really difficult and kind of an act of God, even with a super supportive principal over at the district. Right. Because you're beholden to the district bus schedule. 
where I was very used to in charter school land, you know, being able to get a couple of buses or we had 15 passenger vans that I was able to drive at the, at the community college. And so I was able to just take kids on field trips all of the time. And so what I loved about the difference of those charters is like really being able to blur the lines between the classroom and community a lot easier than I could at the district. Um, you know, district level, Chandler's a really big school district and it's like, just, you're not quite as nimble as you are as some of the smaller charters. You know, it's like trying to, to turn a battleship on a dime. You don't really do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, sounds like you have a, a much higher degree of freedom also operating as a, as a charter school instructor, I guess. Yeah, um, I really did. Um, but you know what, even at Chandler Unified, I had quite a lot of, of freedom there too. Um, a lot of autonomy. I think that's something that I'm, me personally, I'm really attracted to. And so no matter what school I'm at, I need uh, quite a bit of autonomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy being a, a principal? Do you ever miss like just being a teacher and leading a classroom? Oh yeah, I mean, I you you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you know you can never take the classroom out of the teacher. My favorite thing, I love going into the classrooms all of the time. Um, this semester, I actually I taught a fourth grade lesson. Um, I'll jump in and and teach like little mini lessons here and there. I did one in second grade. I've done sixth grade. So anytime I can stop in and either teach keep my skills a little fresh or just be with the kids. That's my favorite part of the job, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of the time when I talk to teachers, a very good friend of mine, actually, his wife is a teacher and wow. she got into it for that reason. Most teachers I talk with, they do it because they like kids, you know, which I guess yeah. makes a lot of sense. If you if you don't really like working with kids, you're probably in the wrong job, right? Exactly. Well, that's, that's really cool. Um, would you say there was anyone that inspired you to pursue this career? It sounded like your brother was, you might've been close with your brother, but um, well, sometimes the, your family. I think sometimes the people we love know us better than we know ourselves. So I would say that really my family was a huge impetus for me. They were the catalyst. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. So in being in the, in the role of a principal, um, I imagine you have to make a lot of like decisions for the school. You're a leader. When it comes to hiring teachers, how do you find like quality teachers? What do you look for and how do you retain them? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not a perfect science. You know, Arizona is facing a huge teacher shortage we have for a while now. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say I have it down to a perfect science at all, but you can't hire or fire yourself to perfection. You know, so I don't look for a perfect teacher. Sometimes they, they walk in, but, um, you know, none of us are really perfect. We all have, you know, areas that we like areas of strength and areas of growth. The things that I really look for um, are, are an openness and a willingness to learn. If they're willing to help co-create, um, you know, a classroom culture with kids, help um, co-create some of that learning with kids, because there's not one single adult who knew every single thing about every single discipline. Right. You know? So I'm really just looking for openness and a willing to learn. I can help support teachers on their journey, you know, in deciding how they want to improve and, and what areas in which they want to improve. I think there's a lot of different ways to 
a lot of different entry points to help a teacher. You know, if they want to get better in the instructional methods or if they want to improve in assessment or planning, all of those are perfect entry points that all, you know, meld into each other um, in helping kids just learn what they need to learn. So if you have somebody who's willing, open, ready to learn and be a team player beside you, I think a lot of other things you can teach. Right. Um, and how many teachers do you guys, do you have? 17. 17. Is that all on one campus? Do you guys have multiple? Uh... We're all a single site campus. So we're pretty small. We've, we serve just under 300 students. Okay. Um, and we have about 15 classroom assistants as well. So we're about a team of just shy of 40, all of us okay. together. And the, the classroom assistants, are those also adults? Are they like uh, older high school aged kids or what are, what are they? They're all adults. Some of them are certified paraprofessionals, former teachers, um, and some of them are, are classroom assistants. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you guys implement any kind of strategies with the teachers to like be involved with the parents? I went, I went to a K through 12 public charter school as well um, in Colorado. That's where I'm from. And I remember growing up, we often had like, like parent-teacher conferences where my parents had to come to school and meet the teachers. And we did that like at least every single grade. Do you yeah. guys do anything like that? Or how are other ways you might be trying to involve the parents? Yeah, we have a really active parent community and a super supportive parent community. So we, just like you did, we have parent conferences in the fall. We have student-led conferences in the spring. We actually just finished that up. So our students compile a portfolio of their learning all year long. And then in the spring, they actually present it to, to their parents. And they talk about the areas of growth they had. They set goals with their parents for the fourth quarter. So it's a lot of prep for teachers up front and helping be very clear to students on what it is that they're learning. How can students even look at you know, assignments that they've done all year long and see the growth that they've made. Um, but then when it comes down to the spring conference, it's really kids are kids are the ones who are the star of the show. Um, and other than that, we have got a super involved PTA. We have a lot of parent volunteers so they can volunteer. We will take them as often as they want to volunteer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to get away from work and and, um, you know, other kids, if you've got little kids at home, but we, we get a lot of parent volunteers. We do a lot of different, you know, parties. We, we work really hard and we push our kids really hard academically, but we play really hard too. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. And then just remind me, I looked up your guys' school a little bit, but what, what uh, grades do you guys go through? Do you have a like elementary, middle and, and high school or we don't, we really specialize in more early education. So we have a private pre-K and then we're K through six. Okay. And so those, that elementary, those grades are the 300 kids, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's, that's pretty cool. Is yeah. it broken up um, like 50 kids a class or, or fewer just than about, that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Just about 50 kids a class. Yeah, one of the things I really liked about going to the charter school was it had a really a really good student to teacher ratio. Um, when I got to college, big difference. Four hundred <laughs> kids in the classroom, big difference. Yeah, yeah so our our student to teacher ratio on average is about one to fifteen. 
So we always have aids in the primary classrooms, you know, pre-K, kinder, first grade, um, second grade. And then every, every year we just look at our student demographics it, to decide, do we need aids in the other classrooms? So sometimes, you know, if you've got some years we've had, um, you know, 15 kids in sixth grade, we don't really need an aid with 15 capable sixth graders. Um, but some years we've had 30 kids in the sixth grade and 30 kids to us is quite a few in the classroom. And so we'll put an aid in there. So I see. Yeah. Um, cool. And then uh, would you say that you guys like specialize in any in any kind of uh, field? Like do you favor the arts? Do you guys try and like push them? I guess it's early education. So probably keep yeah, stage so in general, but it is. So what we do as early childhood educators is really develop um, the whole child. We really want to make sure that we're helping them with a strong, build a strong sense of community, right? We have a really good social emotional program, um, really strong connections to themselves, to the adults on campus. We know that all research says that, you know, when kids are really well known by adults on campus, they thrive there creativity um, and making sure that our kids are developing equally socially, emotionally, academically, and physically. So, you know, in a lot of programs, whenever you have to cut back on something, um, you know, in some of our, some of our counterparts have had to cut back either in arts or electives. That's where we really shine. We feel like a real breadth of experiences will help set our kids up for success everywhere. Our kids from pre-K on take Spanish, they take art, music, and PE, and it's an hour every day of those of those different specials. So our art program is second to none. I I would say we're gotta easily be in the top five of all elementary art programs in the state. Spanish is and all of our specials are amazing. So our kids really are very well known. They're well loved, and because we know them so well, they can, they can be vulnerable, which is exactly what you have to be in order to be a learner, because you have to make mistakes in front of your peers, in front of everybody in the class, the adults. And so when you feel safe, then you can learn a lot better. So that's what we do really, really well. Nice. Yeah. It, it can be scary sometimes, but the sooner you, you know, get comfortable with that, the easier it is to learn. So it sounds like you guys focus a lot on making uh, well-rounded kids right from the get-go. I think that's uh, awesome and very important. Um, so. You had mentioned that uh, there's a shortage of teachers uh, just in Arizona at the moment, and so that kind of makes me think of: and have there been ever have there been any kind of like hurdles or hard times that you guys have had to like overcome as a school? Like, has a teacher shortage been part of that? Uh, yeah, I'll say COVID. One word: yeah. COVID. COVID. Everyone, yeah. The shortage. Um, immune to, no one's no one was immune to that. Yeah, uh, it was really rough. You know, we've had our, this school's been around for 28 years. It, in Phoenix, I think for 94, 95, the charter legislation was passed. And then um, a former teacher actually is the person who founded this school, who founded Bright Beginnings. And so we've had a, for a very long time, very low teacher turnover. You know, kids are comfortable here. Um, it's a really safe learning environment and with a lot of autonomy and really good teachers thrive in that environment too. COVID upended everything. Uh, so we had teachers who had been with us for a very long time, you know, 25 years. We still have teachers who have been with us for 26, 27 years. Um, 
but they were in vulnerable age populations and just not knowing what was going to happen with COVID is a really scary place. And so I'd say about three years ago, you know, um, after that first spring in 2020, we had about a 50% teacher turnover. And that 50%. was 50,000. 50, wow. <laughs> it wow. was really scary for us. It was the very, the, the biggest teacher turnover we've ever had. Um, but now, I mean, we have letters of intent out. We're looking at about, you know, 96, 98% return rate. So um, we're really proud of that, but it was very difficult. I think one thing we really had to do is, is focus right back on our mission and know that community is first. You know, people always ask, oh, what do you teach when they find out you're a teacher? And I'm like, well, I teach kids. Kids first, subject second. Because it doesn't matter what you teach if they don't learn it. And you have to know your kids. And I think through COVID, it really just made us fall back on what do we do well? We know that the social and emotional support is important. So what can we do that way for kids and for teachers? Um, and then helping them through that really tough time and acknowledging it was really tough and just trying to focus on keeping our community together. Because if our community could stay together, then we could rebuild, you know, after that. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so if you were to be able to go back, would you do anything, anything differently? Like, and it doesn't have to be like just with uh, this school, but is there anything that you, that you might've done differently, like throughout all the experiences that you've had? No, you know what? It is a really, it's a really good question, but it's really hard because everything that, that I've done up until now has just brought me here. Um, and I've learned so much from every single experience. I mean, COVID was really challenging, but I learned so much from that challenge, not only just on, on the power of like a really good team. I think that helped us because there wasn't one sole person in charge of making COVID decisions during that time. We had a task force of parents, teachers, administrators. So, um, no, I, I, I just think that every single challenge teaches us a lot. Um, you know, in hindsight, there's always things that you go, okay, now going forward, I have learned from that and I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll do that differently. But when you're looking in hindsight, sometimes you don't have all of those pieces of information when you were making the decision in the moment. So no, I wouldn't go back and do anything different. I would still walk through, walk through the COVID fire with the team that I had. We were pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the choices we make, it, it's what le helps lead us to where we are now. And, you know, we, we learn a lot from those experiences that we have, but I always think it's valuable to ask that question just to see like, you know, cause sometimes you do have the rare answer where it's like, I know I would have done something different, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of like the point of, you know, self-reflection, I guess. Um, so for anyone that would be starting to lead, like becoming a, a new principal such as yourself or someone that would wanted to start their own charter school, what uh, tips or pieces of advice would you, would you say to them? Um, well, first I would say like, it never gets easier. So just acknowledge it right up front. It doesn't get easier. Yeah. You just get stronger and more skilled. So it's kind of like working out, you know, working out never gets easier, but instead of, you know, being able to work out with 15 to pound dumbbells, now you can work out with 30 or 45, like you get better 
but the workout is a workout and it's still hard. So, you know, being a teacher, being a principal, those things are still challenging. Um, I would also say, make sure you find a mentor. I, I was very lucky with the relationships that I had to find an excellent mentor who I, the first couple of years I connected with every two weeks. Now we're sort of connecting every three to four, but it, especially during the most challenging times, I think it's really important. There's a lot of emotional load and emotional burden that goes on to the principal. And you don't, you don't want to put that back onto your teachers because that's what you're trying to save them from, right? Um, they already have enough emotional load because they're carrying it for their classroom and their parents. Right. So finding a really good mentor, somebody who you can talk to, who can give you valuable perspective um, is really helpful. And then I'd also say both teaching and being a principal, anything in education, once you're in the job and in your own school, it can be really isolating. It can be really easy to be isolated. You know, charters don't have a big district. A lot of times you're the, like, we're the only one who, do, who does what we do. We're, we're it. There are 560 plus charters in the state of Arizona, but there's only one bright beginnings, you know? And so sometimes it can be very difficult to find the time when you're in the daily um, work to connect with professionals and colleagues. But I would definitely say to stay involved with professionals and colleagues. I've had many a time, in fact, even my first day on the job here, um, I think my first or second day, I already had to call a principal friend and ask a question, um, you know, and so being able to just always pick somebody else's brain is really helpful. So do you have like a, a network, I guess, of like friends and other principals that you know, like that are nearby or maybe in neighboring states? Yes, um, they're mostly spread out throughout the state of Arizona. I don't know if they want to consider myself in their network because I might call them a little too often, but I always like to, to call on people and just get their perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really been helpful for me. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, again, that's, you know, why we started this podcast, just kind of another way for people to kind of like share their experiences and things that they've learned. Um, so that's that's really good to hear. Um, so the next question I have is in terms of like regulations on the federal, state, or local level, uh -huh. is there anything that you would like to see happen that might make, you know, running the charter school easier? Or do you think things should, you know, have a little bit more regulation in one way or another? What, what kind of comment would you have about that? Jared, I have lots of comments about this question. Um, I, it could probably be its own podcast. Oh, However, probably, in, yeah. in terms of this podcast, um, something not necessarily quick, but actionable, I would really love to see our state fund full day kindergarten again. We've, okay. done, we've done it before. Right now, the state is only funding half day kindergarten. Hmm. I don't know anybody who sends their kids to kindergarten for half day. And is that like just the morning? Is it just like in the middle of the day? Everybody who I know goes to kindergarten full day. Um, and right now, district and charter schools are funding the other half of the day just off of their regular MO, their regular funding. 
Um, mm. But the state is only paying for half day. Interesting. And there are, and there are very few half day kindergarten programs in the state. You know, when you're looking at the 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 kindergarten standards and the real push to make sure that kids are learning how to read really, really well and be super strong readers, we need to fund full day kindergarten and make it an expectation that kids are going to school all day long, which they already are. It's just the schools are already are, are picking up that half a day slack. Right. Um, and then I guess I would just say very generally that I, I would hope that our leaders continue to listen to practitioners, um, co-create legislation with practitioners, um, you know, and not politicize schools. Politicizing schools, I feel like, is really detrimental um, to the parent teacher community relationships that we have to use in order to educate kids really well. We function better when we're working side by side with parents and not, um, you know, and all community members and, and keeping a lot of the politics out. I would like to see things that are legislated if they're necessary, but not over regulation and over legislation. I think if we're a little overzealous there, it becomes really challenging from a practitioner's point of view to put all of that into place and still maintain, you know, the integrity of your program. Every single charter school has a really unique mission and a super unique, you know, value proposition. If you over legislate that, then we homogenize education. And that's not even why charters were, were really invented to begin with. So it, it, it is a delicate balance. You want to make sure that all public education has a lot of, um, you know, accountability in it, but not over-regulation. Yeah. And part of the reason we asked that question is, um, I mean, the people that know best is like the acting teachers, like the acting parents, the volunteers, people that, you know, know what's going on. And yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying. I certainly agree. People can, we, we know very well, be divided about politics, yeah. but everyone wants their kids to learn to read and, and you know, spell and do math, right? So yeah. and at the end of the day, charters are choice schools, you know? Yeah. So we want to be able to stay unique enough that parents feel like this is the choice they need for their child. Well, good, yeah. Um, and having the option for people to like, go to the charter schools is, is very important as well. Um, so I would also like to ask, um, for your guys' school, are there any current goals or projects that you're currently working on? Um, yes, I'm always working on, on goals and projects. Um, we've got a, them, huh? Yeah, we've got a few teachers and I who've been doing this um, Odyssey of the Mind. So we're working on uh, trying to create sort of a club that eventually will morph to something in our um, instructional program, a project-based learning component that's based around that, that actually worldwide competition. Um, we're always working on keeping a good focus on our social and emotional program and how is that working for kids and parents. Um, so that's something that we continuously monitor. Um, and then we're always working on um, 
just bettering our curriculum. We've had a lot of teachers go through a lot of PD in this last couple of years. We've been working on our cooperative learning structures. We've been working on our science curriculum. We have new reading curriculum, K-3. So we've had a lot of things that we've been working on, even though, you know, it, COVID was just the last couple of years. So even through those most challenging times, we've kept our eyes really on what's good for kids and then what's good for teachers and what do we know that we do really well. From a lot of the things that we've talked about, uh, you, you keep saying like, you go back to the kids, we focus on the kids, they're like the root of it. And I think it's very important. I would, I would imagine all the teachers uh, share that sentiment that you have at your school. They do. Um, I think our, the, the three things that I use when I try and make decisions is what's best for kids, second, what's best for teachers, and then what's best for us as the front office or the support staff that needs to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and our, our teachers are incredible. They do keep the needs of the kids top of the mind. Good. Yeah. Sounds like you got a, a really good uh, crew that's working with you guys up there. I do. Um, okay, so the next question can kind of be a fun one, but if you were okay. to be given, if you were to be given a magic wand and you could just no time, no money is is any issue, and you could just poof one thing about your school, uh, what would it be? Is this like one of those like Aladdin type of things where I can't ask for more magic wands or or <laughs> wishes or anything like that? Yeah, we're we're gonna keep it to just one thing. Because mm, I think if I had one thing, honestly, I would wish for an unlimited budget. Because I don't know every single thing that I'm going to need in the future, right, to respond to what teachers need, to what kids need. I have a lot of great ideas in my head that some of them just need a little bit more funding. So I think I would just, if I had unlimited funding, we could do a lot of even more cool things. A lot, a lot more cool things. Yep. Um, is that like, uh, I guess a limiting budget can definitely make it harder to undertake new projects. Yeah. Um, so then on a, a similar kind of question, if you guys had your own personal billboard in front of the school uh, with a message on that, you know, the community drives by it all the time, everyone sees it. What do you want people, what would you want people to read and be the message that like they know they associate with your school? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I have, I, I have two quotes in my office that pretty much guide every single thing that I do. And I don't know which one is more important, which one would be my billboard A or billboard B. Um, but I think like the first one is children are not distractions from more important work. They are the most important work. Um, and so I think just know, I want all of our families to know that for every single person in this building, kids are the most important work. That is all like we do. True educator. Yeah. A true, it is. I am a true educator. And then the second one would be, um, do not confine your children to your own learning for they were born in another time. You know, we all think that we know what school is like for our kids because we were in school but especially for, for parents choosing alternative methods of, of education, like, like charter schools. Charter schools are different. Um, and when we only keep education the way that it always was, we're not staying true 
to what age education should be, which is meeting the needs of kids all the time. And kids change and they develop and they grow and generations have like their own unique flavor. Um, and I don't think that we should be confining kids to past generations knowledge. We need to co-create a lot of that stuff with kids. Um, you know, our young people are super inspiring. They're pushing boundaries all the time and they're changing. Their, I mean, look at the, the world is changing so quickly. You know, we're helping educate kids for jobs we don't even know is going to exist in the future. So I think standing beside them and doing that with them and letting them help do some of that work is really important and kind of a revolution that I'd like to see in education versus just giving them the answers and spoon feeding them and telling them what to do. I don't think that that is true education. So yeah, that's a really interesting perspective that you said. We're teaching kids to have jobs that we don't even know like what those jobs are. Like yeah. they might not even exist right now. You know, I know we just looked as, as a, as a staff, we just looked at chat GPT. I mean, if, if we can't teach more creatively and better than the artificial intelligence that is emerging, then what are we doing, you know? Um, but I think things like that are actually really exciting as teachers, you know, because you get to, to stay creative. The kids and the world around us keep us creative so that we can always reach the kids. For sure, keeps, uh, keeps the fire, keeps the fire lit, you know? Yeah. Well, great. Um, do you have any more uh, funny experiences or uh, stories that you might want to share with us? Oh my gosh. Um, Jared, my husband tells me every day that I should be writing a book because I have so many interesting and funny experiences um, just as a teacher and a principal. Um, some of them just being at such a tiny school. If I, you know, we're so small that, that any experience could possibly identify a kid or a family. So I probably won't share anything too much, but the kids just make you laugh every day and they say something original and funny all the time. And that's just, it's, it's really a, a pleasure and a privilege to be around that and to, to know that other people are trusting you with their kids every day. It's, it's pretty powerful. And even though I have a lot of fun doing it, it's something I take really, really seriously. Um, so. Good to know. Yeah. Um, I've been blown away by a lot of the things that you said. I think that you are a very talented and hardworking person and that the school is very lucky to have you as a principal. It's oh, clear to me that uh, you're, you're doing a good thing and I, I think you're doing it very well. Well, thanks. Uh, we're, we're trying every day. And honestly, my team makes me look a lot better than I probably look by myself. So. All righty. Well, Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, this was the episode with uh, the Bright Beginning School, and uh, we've been happy to hear from Amanda. And uh, tune in next time, and we'll be continuing uh, the podcast as we go. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Jared.